Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come as the fire and burn. Come as the wind and cleanse. Come as the light and reveal. Show us our sin. Turn us around. Set us apart until we are wholly yours. Amen. You know, sometimes uh, people ask, are you ready for Christmas? I got asked that a couple of times already today. Did you get that asked that? Hey, are you ready for Christmas? And I said, no. I mean, what am I, I, I don't really know, you know how to answer the question. Uh, you know, I'm, or what does it mean? Are, are the lights up? Are the, are the presents wrapped? Are the meals planned? Is my Christmas Eve sermon done? No. But that's okay. You know, I got a week or two or nine days or however many the kids say I have, you know. Uh, I know some of you, you did some major damage on Black Friday, right? Any of you? Some, no, nobody? Yeah, a few of you did. Uh, some of you shop like Julius Caesar. I came, I saw, I conquered. <laughs> you know, if you ask anybody this, this month, you know, how's it going? Hey, how you doing? They'll go, oh, busy. Everybody's busy. We had the big pageant last Sunday, you know, and all these kids up here and the rehearsals ahead of time and and plus now you're going to band concerts and choir concerts and and plays and games and office parties and it's a lot to keep up with you know this, this year Christmas uh, uh, the extended family's coming to our house on Christmas Day and we're thinking that we're gonna play Christmas Pictionary which we've not done before but who knows maybe it'll turn out to be a new tradition for us you can't have Christmas unless you make plans, right? I mean, when are we going to get together? Where will we go? Who's going to be there? What do we do? Now, there's a story I know you're all familiar with. When every who down in Whoville, the small and the tall, woke up Christmas morning and saw that their presents, decorations, and food had vanished. Somebody had hijacked Christmas. But instead of crying, the Who's joined hands and sang. And the Grinch was shocked. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. M maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And if Christmas cannot be stolen from us, then it wasn't created by us. Maybe Christmas, its essence, is out of my hands. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, isn't something I planned. You know, I think if we had created Christmas, it would have been way different than what we find in the Bible. If we had cr created Christmas, it would have been a story of human ingenuity and industry. There goes my watch. And, and, uh, and industriousness. You know, Mary, she would have been one of, of thousands of young women who would have applied to be the mother of the Messiah. You know, writing a stirring essay, and, and she would have prepared her virginal resume and, and secured glowing recommendations. If, if we had invented Christmas, Joseph would have gotten hotel reservations in advance. 
so they'd have a nicer place to stay. And he would have started a GoFundMe page to gather support for their Advent adventure. If we had created Christmas, it would have been all about us. But we didn't. So here's my question. What if the most important part of Christmas isn't something you plan? What if the most important part of Christmas isn't something you plan? Uh, let's open our Bibles, all right, to Matthew chapter 1. Uh, we're going to start with verse 18. In the Pew Bible, you'll see it on page 966. And uh, by the way, if you're here today, you don't have a Bible of your own, you don't have one that's at least readable at home, then uh, just take that Pew Bible home. It's yours. Merry Christmas. Now, this happens, verse 18 comes right after the long genealogy that begins Matthew's gospel, which, by the way, includes some really odd couples and extraordinary births. It's kind of Matthew's way of saying, when God's at work, expect the unexpected. Okay? And then verse 18 says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant. Now let's stop right there for a bit. Because at this point, that's all Joseph knows. Uh, her morning sickness can no longer be explained away. She's getting a little bit of a baby bump. All he knows is that his fiancée is expecting, and he's not the guy. Mary knows why she's pregnant, but Joseph, he's still in the dark. Now, our writer, Matthew, lets us know there at the end of verse 18, she was found to be pregnant, and will you say the last four words with me? Through the Holy Spirit. Let's try it again. Through the Holy Spirit. Matthew's telling us about the virginal conception of Jesus. Now, I know that's a lot for, you know, people, big hurdle for some people as faith. Uh, and maybe some of you, and I think here at the church, we, we have to have our arms open big enough, wide enough for people who are ready to believe in Jesus and they're still not sure if they can embrace this whole doctrine of the birth. Personally for me, once I accept the, the miracle of Jesus' resurrection, any other miracle in the Bible related to Jesus becomes plausible. And I realize, hey, it's not up to me to explain it. How did Jesus turn water into wine? It's a molecular miracle. I can't explain it. How did Jesus restore a withered hand? It's an orthopedic miracle. I can't explain it. How did Jesus calm the wind out on the sea? It's a meteorological miracle. I can't explain it. How did a human egg uh, without a sperm become an individual embryo? It's a reproductive miracle. And again, I can't explain it. The brief explanation that we're given in both Matthew's and Luke's Gospels is that Mary's pregnancy happened through the Holy Spirit. The life of Jesus entering Mary did not happen because of human planning. I mean, Mary was willing, but it wasn't her idea. She didn't make it happen. And it's the same with you. When Jesus comes to live in you, you didn't propose it. You didn't uh, plan it. 
the Bible says, of course, we believe and receive Jesus, but he's the one who makes us God's children. John 1.13 says that we become God's children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. When Jesus was biologically conceived in Mary, it happened through the Holy Spirit. When Jesus is spiritually conceived in you, it happens through the Holy Spirit. So let's bring it home. When Jesus enters my life, it's not because I planned it. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's say that together, shall we? When Jesus enters my life, it's not because I planned it. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And then verse 9, we're not going to read it, but it goes on to say how Joseph's a pretty decent guy and he's not going to shame Mary. So he wants to do the right thing, so he decides, well, I'm just going to divorce her quietly uh, because, you know, in their culture, engagement was legal and so to dissolve it required divorce. And then in verse 20, if you'll look there with me, Joseph learns some new information. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is, and say the last part with me, from the Holy Spirit. So twice in three verses, Matthew gives us this same message. It was biologically true for Mary and it's spiritually true for us. When Jesus enters our lives, it's not because we planned it. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, when I was, a, I was a teenager, I mean, I didn't have any plan, when it came, especially when it came to Jesus. Uh, but God had a plan. And I look back now, and I wonder even if, you know, during my sophomore year, I was, I was an agnostic. And uh, I still wonder if maybe the Holy Spirit was in that. Maybe it was a way of getting me to, to, to ask deep questions and to seek what is real and what is true. And then... I met some credible Christians who, who said that knowing Jesus had changed their lives, and of course, word is, uh, talk is cheap, but I mean, I could kind of see the evidence of it, how much that change had really happened. And, and it hit me that, you know, maybe this is what Jesus' followers had, had been experiencing for 2,000 years. Maybe this is what inspired Christians to, to, uh, to build grand and beautiful churches for people to gather and worship. And maybe this is what motivated some of them to leave home and go to the ends of the earth to bring the, the, the gospel to, to people who had never heard it. And I found welling up inside me this, this desire. I want what they have. That desire, that longing, that yearning was the Holy Spirit calling me. You know, I often think back to the, the story of Lydia in the Bible. She and a few other women would get together every Sabbath down by the river near Philippi uh, to pray. And one day, uh, Paul and his friends showed up, and uh, they met them there and told them about Jesus. And Acts 16, verse 14 says of Lydia, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And I, and I kind of think of, you know, that heart is kind of like a flower that opens. The Lord opened her heart to Paul's message. Now, 
Lydia didn't show up at the river that day with any plans to believe in Jesus. She'd never heard of him, but God had a plan. The Holy Spirit opened her heart so she could respond. United Methodists, uh, like really most denominations, believe in a doctrine that we call sometimes prevenient grace. Now, prevenient is an old English word that means preceding, that which goes before. Uh, prevenient grace precedes our believing, precedes our justifying salvation. Uh, it's the way that, that God works in our lives before we ever th respond. And the Holy Spirit calls us and woos us and welcomes us and the Lord opens our hearts. And the great thing about prevenient grace is that God gives it to everybody. Prevenient grace is at work in every person on the planet, including you. The Holy Spirit is calling you, wooing you, welcoming you to come, opening your heart, making it possible for you to respond. So when I was 16, I realized that this desire in me was coming from the Holy Spirit. And I thought, wow, God's already at work in my life. Now all I have to do is, is invite him in. Now, did I plan it? No, no way. I mean, a week before, I had no idea this was, was even a remote possibility. But on a Wednesday night in October, I got on my knees and I told God I didn't want him to be so far away anymore. And I asked Jesus to come and make his home inside of me. And I told him, I said, I made such a mess of my life trying to run it on my own. And so, Lord, if you, I know you can do a better job, so I'm just going to give it to you. Whatever you want to do with my life, here it is. And I felt something. I felt relief, but I also felt joy. I felt peace. And, and I don't know, know that I could have told you then, but I look back now and I think that what I felt was the Holy Spirit bringing the life of Jesus into me. So Christmas is just around the corner, and I think, what a shame if all the experience of Christmas is what we plan. What a shame. If, if, if all we have of Christmas is according to our plans, every Christian is spiritually pregnant with the life of Jesus. Does that make sense? Every Christian is spiritually pregnant with the life of Jesus. And that's what I want for all of you. Jesus living in you, his influence growing in you, his presence showing through you. Um, three days ago, we had our church council meeting, and uh, uh, Kristen Post is on church council. She's, um, was, she's served as the secretary this year. Next year, she's going to chair it. And uh, Kristen, uh, her due date's in two days. And so we've uh, been watching... Kristen grow from month to month uh, and uh, for Kristen and Matt this is going to be their first baby and uh, so after the meeting you know we always uh, gather in a circle and we always pray for the church but we also prayed uh, 
this time for Kristen and her baby in that delivery. Now, I want you to, to kind of keep that thought in mind when you hear this verse. The Apostle Paul is addressing uh, believers who have kind of just lost their way. I mean, they came to Christ, but now they've just kind of lost their way. And it breaks his heart. And he says, I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I'm in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Now, he's using the image of pregnancy in two different ways. Paul's anguish for them, is, he compares to, to labor pains, but the pregnancy is in them. He wants Christ to be formed in them like a baby is formed in its mother's womb. And when Paul says he's in the pains of childbirth, I mean, I kind of get it. Paul, Paul has a pastor's heart for these people. And, and, and my heart aches for all of you because I want so badly for Christ, for Jesus to be alive in you and formed in you. What does that look like? When, when, when Christ is alive in you, what is that, what happens? Well, I'm going to share with you a few things. First, when Christ is alive in you, you experience God's incomprehensible love. Uh, in one of his letters, uh, uh, Paul prays for the people right in the letter. He says, I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and you may grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. You know, sometimes the most powerful words in the world are God loves you. Our missions director, Darren Timberlake, uh, this week was telling me that uh, Tuesday night he got to hear a story of a, of a man from Costa Rica, kind of connected with the work that we do, do down there, uh, who at the age of 17 had already become a notorious gang member and murderer and drug dealer, and he was planning to join a Satanist cult. Until one day, somebody said to him, God loves you. God loves you. And those words stabbed his heart, and he couldn't get them out. And the Holy Spirit opened his heart, and he responded. And he's been a pastor in, in San Jose and Costa Rica for two decades. And God is using him in a powerful way right now to so many, especially young people, who are, who are searching, and, and God is awakening them. When Christ is alive in you, you experience God's incomprehensible love. And second, when Christ is alive in you, you experience life transformation. In another letter, Paul says, if Christ is in you, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And righteousness means a life with Jesus in charge, doing life His way. You know, it's been, it's been decades since that evening when I knelt and prayed and began this adventure of Christ in me. And I've come to realize that the transformation that comes out of that is never going to stop. God is never going to run out of things in me to work on. 
So I'm thinking, oh, man, I, I bet when I'm in my 90s, God's going to say, you know, Steve, I've got something else in you that I want to work on now. Lately, God's been showing me how, how many things that I say, and the only purpose for it is to make me sound smarter. I mean, it's human nature to do that, right? But you know, God's just been impressing, Steve. Before, you didn't even realize you were doing it, but now I'm kind of awakening you to this, and, and I'm realizing, you know, I don't, I don't have to do it anymore. I'm conf if I'm confident about who I am in Christ, and if I truly desire to be humble, then it's no longer necessary to say those things. Of course, old habits die hard, right? So the transformation keeps happening. When Christ is alive in you, you experience life transformation. And then third, when Christ is alive in you, you experience hope for eternity. Colossians 1.27 says, God has chosen to make known the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the hope of glory means confidently look forward looking forward to a glorious eternity. You know who you belong to. You know where you're headed. You no longer have to worry about your eternal destination because Christ is in you. He is your hope for that glory. One of my favorite Christmas carols is uh, a little town of Bethlehem. And the first two verses are like speaking to that little town of Bethlehem and announcing what uh, God has done in the, in the birth of Jesus. And then the third verse kind of represents the gospel, the good news being told. And then the fourth verse is a prayer responding to that good news. So I had an idea, okay, that we would sing it. We would sing those last two verses together. And I want us to sing it a cappella, uh, gently, thoughtfully, a little bit slowly. So we'll put the words up on the screen. Here, this is to the third verse, and then we'll go on to the next one. So let's give it a try. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. Now here's the prayer. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels 
the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. I believe that for some of you, the Holy Spirit is opening your heart. And if that's the case, then I would say now is the time. Now is the time to respond. Now is the time to say yes and let that presence of Jesus be alive in you. Let him be formed in you. And you will experience God's incomprehensible love. You will experience life transformation and the confident hope of eternity. We're going to end the message here a little differently than usual. Uh, a lot of times in our service, we have the prayer time before the message, but today we're going to have it now. And so I'm going to ask the uh, um, prayer team members that are uh, assigned for today, if you'll kind of go to the other, either end of the room uh, up at the bottom of the stairs, and, and uh, so people may want to come and pray with you. But during these next few minutes, I just want you to explore inside of you how the Holy Spirit might be calling you and wooing you and welcoming you to come, preparing your heart, opening your heart so that you can respond. You may have other things on your heart you need to pray about as well, and you're welcome to do that. Uh, you can go to the prayer team members if you wish. You can stay where you're seated if you wish. But I also would like to invite you Come and kneel here on the steps and bring to God your prayers if you wish.